a couple of years ago, uh, my family and I, we went on vacation. We were in upstate New York. My in-laws are from there. It's a beautiful place. And some of you may have heard this story, but we went up to this place called Allegheny State Park. It's a beautiful upstate New York state park, and we're just cruising around. We're having fun and being together, and uh, we've got, you know, we've got trails we're climbing on, and just the kids are enjoying it. We're swimming in the lake like it's just the best day. We pulled into this little historic museum place that kind of t- told the history of the place. And we're, we're, uh, my, my, my uh, brother-in-law, Maria's brother, Uncle Mike, we call him, and his wife, Aunt Terry, they took the girls inside to use the restroom in the little historic museum. So they went in, and we were there for a long time. What is taking so long? Well, finally, Aunt Terry comes out to the car I'm sitting in, and she says, uh, the, the bathroom door won't open. The girls are inside. And I'm like, what? And so I get out of the car and I go in and I walk into the little historic museum and I I see a little bit of commotion happening by the bathroom. Grandpa is there uh, and then Uncle Mike is there and they can't get the door open. Apparently the guy who runs the place, he knew that the thing was broken, but he let the two little girls go in anyway. That'll factor in here in a moment. And so so they're in there, they're trapped. And so we're like, hey, it's okay, it's okay. We're gonna get you out, we're gonna get you out. And now Reese is several, several years ago, so she's really young and she's actually getting nervous. She's starting to cry. And that cry quickly escalates into a scream. And so she's screaming behind this door. Well, as a father, that's not going to go on for very long. And so the guy who ran the place, he was a little snooty to me. And so he's like, well, I don't know. I called, I called for the maintenance guys, and so they'll be here sometime. And I was like, excuse me? I was probably to three when I walked in. I went to 10 real quick. And so I said, uh, how long? And he said, I don't know. And he gave me attitude. That guy gave me attitude with my daughter screaming in the bathroom that the whole place can hear. And so I, like a good Christian, said what any good Christian would say. I said, well, then we're breaking this door down. And he said, oh, no, you're not. And I said, oh, yes, we are. And Uncle Mike, that's all Uncle Mike needed. Uncle Mike is a big dude, kind of reminds me of myself. And Uncle Mike, that's not funny. And Uncle Mike, Uncle Mike grabbed my shoulder grabbed grandpa's shoulder and started jumping up in the air to this little historic bathroom. Bam! 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 It took him out three or four tries and boom! The door flies open. The lock just flies apart. There's like splinters of wood flying everywhere. It is demolished. Door hinge, everything's just gone. And so Reese is in there and Aurora's in there and they came. I grabbed them and they're crying. They're okay. And so I started to carry them out. And this is where it got really weird. I don't know why we did this, but we walked outside and we just kept walking. And we went and got in the cars and we just drove away. We broke down the door to the historic bathroom and we drove away. So we probably should have stayed. So then we're, we're like, uh, we're a little ways down the road and the, the maintenance guys finally, they finally showed up. And so we're about to go on a hike, but they find our car. So they screech up behind us and they get out and they're yelling at us because oh, oh, they, they showed up and the guy just said, these people came and they broke down the door and left. That's all he said. And so we're like, hey man, and we're explaining the story until the police showed up. So now the police are there, and so now we're trying to, you know, trying to have a conversation, tell the police what really happened, and, and Grandpa's like, now listen, and the police is like, that's okay, sir, that's okay, that's okay, step back, sir. <laughs> like it was getting really tense, everybody's kind of freaking out. And so, you know, my, my mother-in-law, she's like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? The pastor's here, and the pastor's going to go to jail, and this is, a, this is a terrible vacation day, like it was just awful. 
And it's a long story short, we spent about three or four hours trying to figure this thing out, and they wanted Uncle Mike to sign some stuff, and he was like, I am not signing anything. That door was malfunctioning, and the guy knew it, yada, yada, yada. He ended up throwing them 50 bucks, and they let him walk out of there after about four hours of being interrogated. It was a great, great day. Why did I tell you that whole long story? Because it's a fantastic story. But the reason I told you that story is because on that day, my daughters got something. My daughters, who are terrified, they, they found out a little bit of what my legacy as a father is going to be for them. And the little bit of legacy that I left with them and deposited into them on that day is, no matter what happens in your life, your daddy is coming for you. Uncle Mike is coming for you. Grandpa, we're coming for you. And we will bust down any historic door we need to to get you set free. We will come and save you. And that's kind of resided in them. And I hope that that continues through the rest of their days. They realize no matter how old they are, I will show up in your life to rescue you when you need rescuing. It was part of the legacy that I'm leaving. You have legacy that you're working on today too. Whether good or bad, you're working on a legacy. And I think that something inside of you, just like inside of me, something in you wants to leave something that's amazing that lasts for an eternity and actually makes a difference in the lives of other people. If you're anything like me, you want that. You want your life to matter, to have significance, and it does. You want to change the trajectory of your life and what you're known for. Or maybe you want to change the story and what your family is known for. Whatever it is, we're working over these past several weeks on how we leave a legacy. And what, is, what does that really mean? When I say it, I like this definition the most. Legacy is just what people remember once you're gone. What do people remember about you once you're gone? So just ask yourself the question today. What is the legacy that I'm leaving? If I was done today, if I was done today, what would people say about me? Do you like that story? Do you not like that story? It's not too late. And that's why we're working on this, so that we can learn that through Jesus and through the Spirit of God, we can leave a dynamic and powerful legacy that lasts well beyond us. It's why we're doing things like this legacy offering that we're doing on December 9th. I'm telling you about it about six weeks in advance just so you can know about it and be prepared. I don't want you to feel pressured. I don't want you to feel manipulated. I won't do that to you. I simply want you to pray and say, God, what amount do you want my family or what amount do you want me to give? And I just want you to do that. That's all I'm asking you to do. And we're going to take a massive step forward just like we did last year. Last year, we put away a bunch of money towards 10 churches in 10 years for one chapel. Last year, we put money to away towards a permanent location for us. Everybody say, amen. amen. Last year, we uh, blessed the teachers of Camino Real. We bought a bus and a van for our students. That's carting students up, and life change is happening in them. We upgraded our kids' stuff. We did a bunch of great things, including helping our own families here during the holiday season. A bunch of amazing things for our community. We're going to do it again this year. We'll put money away towards 10 churches in 10 years. We've got three right now. We've got about seven years left. Let's get going. Um, we're going to put away some more money for a permanent location for us. We are actively looking right now, everybody. Me and Thomas and Mike Nelson, we just had a meeting with a realtor the other day looking at some properties and some things around here. Things are moving. We don't have any decisions yet, but we are looking. We're actively looking. Church, you got to pray. That's not a joke. You just need to pray. It's going to take all of us together to make that happen, and we will only be able to move at the speed of our own generosity, what we want to see Jesus do. Um, so, so that's what we're going to do, and, and then once we finish kind of putting some of that stuff in place, we're just going to dream about what could we do in our community this year? 
What difference could we make in our community for people who are far from God? What could we do? Maybe you have some ideas. I'd love to hear about those. We're doing some research. We're working on it. But maybe you've got some things too. Let's dream about what we could do. And then we've got these acts of kindness cards. They're actually back in your cup holders. And I want you to take them out and take them this week and pay for somebody's coffee or pay for somebody's drive through or bring some donuts to work or bring flowers to your neighbor or mow their lawn. I don't know. Just do something this week to show somebody that God loves them with nothing expecting nothing in return for you. So we're doing those things, and then we're also doing um, this, this series that you just saw the trailer for. Feature presentation is coming up. It starts next week, and I would love it. In fact, I challenge you, invite somebody who's far from God to come and sit next to you. Watch a movie on the screen and hear the gospel interspersed throughout it and just see what happens. Sit there for four weeks with somebody who's far from God right beside you. It will be the most nervous service you've ever had in your life. But do it, and then have some conversations afterwards. And then we've been talking about Camino Real, uh, the fall festival. We actually did that on Friday. And I want to show you some pictures really quick while I talk about it. It was an absolutely phenomenal event. Listen, that place was jam-packed full of people in the community. And our one chapel team showed up, and they were a major, major blessing. They served food. They sold peanuts. They ran inflatables and bounce houses. They did a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, we kind of ended up doing most of the booths and all the things around that they had, selling tickets. We pretty much manned all that stuff. And it was an amazing and spectacular, spectacular night. And everywhere I went, I just had teachers saying, oh my goodness, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming. You're incredible. And you can kind of see it on people's faces. They're like, what? In fact, I met one guy. He was like, he was like hey, oh yeah, I heard about you guys. And, and we were shaking hands and he was like, oh, a good firm handshake, which I was like, you didn't expect that, did you? And so it was, we, were, we, were, we were shaking, and he was like, he was like yeah, I, I don't know about this. I mean, I, I'm like on the other side of the fence from you, but um, I like what you guys are doing. I might show up. Like, it was a really, really, really cool moment. And, um, and then the principal, actually, she told the admin that we were working with, she said, I just don't know if we could have done it if they hadn't showed up. And so everybody at One Chapel and those of you who went, good job making a difference in people's lives. I think you deserve a big hand. all these things because we want to leave a legacy. So as we close this series today, I want to give you a few ideas and then we'll go and win fault over. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. Here's what it says. Those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Everybody say destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He's talking here about people who have a wrong perspective of money. They have a wrong perspective, they have improper desire for, they have some bad experiences even with. And he's saying, these kinds of people, it creates temptations for them. It creates traps for them. And he said, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not evil in itself. The love of money is the problem. And it creates traps. It creates destruction. It creates griefs for us. In fact, he says some have even wandered because of their love for it. Some have even wandered away from the faith and experienced great destruction. Ultimately, if we don't figure this thing out and deal with that kind of a heart, ultimately it will diminish, if not totally destroy, any positive legacy that you are going to leave with your life. And I just don't want that for anyone that calls One Chapel Kyle home. I should say, I don't want that for anybody ever. And I don't think you have to live that life. We can find freedom in this. Listen to what Luke 12, 34 says. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your stuff goes, that's where your heart goes. 
Wherever your heart is going, that's where your stuff is going to go. I think you see this in a lot of people. You see it in people that collect. Have you ever met like a massive collector of things, like stamps or coins or, or whatever it is? My, my son collects monkeys somehow. I don't know how that happened, but my son has just a plethora of monkeys, a cornucopia of monkeys, if you will. Don't. But he's got a ton. And he just, every t- chance he gets, he's buying another one. But you've seen those kind of people, right? They just, they, they, oh, I just, I love stamps. And so their, their money goes towards buying the new rarest stamp. You see, when you have kids, you have these cute little, wonderful little babies, and you just want to give them everything. I just want to bless you. I want to give you all the stuff you need. And in fact, I want to give you even more than you need. I just want you to, I want to spoil you, but I don't, because I don't want you to be a rotten little jerk. So, so I don't do that, but I want to. <laughs> and, then, and then you see it, especially when you fall in love. When I fell in love with Maria in college, I spent so much money on her because my heart was just drawn to her. And so all my stuff just went where my heart was going. I was trying to trick her into liking me back. And it cost me a lot, but it worked. You see this idea, and you see it in your own life. And Jesus says, look, I want that stuff. I, I want it. I want, that, I want your heart here. Let it come towards me. That stuff, I want it to come here towards me. So today we're going to talk just a little bit about money and the issue of money and the the position that it holds on our hearts because ultimately that will affect everything that you do in your life. In my family, Maria is the budgeter and I'm the guy who says, sounds good. Spreadsheets give me an instant headache. Like I have to have somebody translate spreadsheets for me. So I don't like that kind of stuff. But Maria does a good job and probably in your family, it's kind of the same thing. One of you, if you're married, one of you does it and one of you kind of participates. That's what we do. If you're single, you're on your own. Godspeed. You can do it. We believe in you. (laughs) Um, And I made some mistakes when I was younger. Uh, When I was in college, it was weird. I I showed up in college, and they just, these companies wanted to give me a lot of credit cards. Like, they just kept giving me credit cards for free. It was awesome. And I was like, yeah, why not? That's a cool one. Yeah, why not? And so I started spending some money, and they worked really well. And so I got myself in trouble, and and I I had to get bailed out a little bit. Never again since then, but but I think sometimes those are good experiences. You kind of learn a little something, and hopefully you grow from it. That's why I'm thankful for stuff like Financial Peace University and Kevin Spots, who runs that. You've seen this before, but actually, this is some numbers right here. Check this out. This is from 83 cards that have been cut up from One Chapel Kyle. 83 credit cards cut up. And over the past uh, several sessions, of 19 families have gone through FPU, and they've paid off $37,500 in debt. And they've saved $15,350. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, everybody. It's fantastic. They're doing a good job. And numbers like that, they're good. They're important. We need to read them. We need to think about them. We need to study them. In fact, we need to have a whole series on it. Like, we need to talk about those kinds of things more. But if you go and you talk about numbers with, say, a financial planner, or you're talking about uh, numbers with your spouse or with your your friends or family, you're going to talk about several very specific things. You're going to talk about earning. You're going to talk about the importance of earning. You got to make some money. You got to get this bread. You know what I'm saying? You that you got that that's what what's what we're all trying to do everybody's getting up every morning trying to do it if you don't have any money well there's no numbers to talk about so it doesn't really matter so you got to go to work you got to get a job and hopefully you can create some margin so that you can have some freedom in your life and if you do some of that then you you got to talk about your spending we're talking about the money that kind of goes out of your pocket so so from there uh, stats show that only 41% of Americans today have a budget 41% of people have a budget so that means a little over half the room right now is like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It means that most people in our country have no idea where their money is going month to month. 
And 80% of people have crushing debt, absolute crushing debt. They've got too much month left at the end of the money. You know what I'm saying? If you got spending kind of figured out, then you'll talk about saving. And saving is not just a financial issue. Everybody's saving is a biblical issue. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools, they gulp theirs down. It's not just financial planners. The Bible says, hey, don't spend it all. Don't do it. You've got to save some. The average American spends 136% of their income. I don't even know how that works because your income should be 100%. And you're spending 136%, the average American in our country today. If you get through that and you figure out some of that, then, then you'll be able to do, maybe do some investing. Where your money, you're not just working for your money, but your money is starting to work for you. That's a great thing. So over time, it becomes a great benefit and blessing to you. And then you'll talk about, if you get that far, giving. Most people don't get this far, and they're not able. They're not in a space where they can actually be gen generous. But the average American spends about 3% of their income in giving. They give about 3%. The average American Christian only gives about 3.8%. It's not that much different. I think we should probably work on that number and change it. But those are the numbers, right? And they're good, and they work, and it's awesome, it's important, and we should talk about them. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're interested in more than just the numbers, as a follower of Jesus, you're interested in more than just the natural and what's happening around you. You participate in a supernatural world. You participate in a spiritual world, in the kingdom of God. And God has some principles that supersede the normal principles of the world. And God's principles don't always make sense to mankind and womankind, equal opportunity. Thank you. They don't always make sense. Listen to Haggai 1, uh, verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Ever felt that way before? Where did it go? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought. In other words, hey, take a look around and see what's happening. What's going on in your life? And could it be that there's some other things beyond the natural stuff that you just see right now, seeing into the supernatural and some of God's principles that maybe could actually override the stuff that you're experiencing and going through right now? God looks beyond the numbers, and that's what we want to do today. The numbers are important, but let's look beyond the numbers to see what God really has to say about living a legacy life of generosity. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, Where's the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? He has a way of doing things that goes beyond the normal. Let's look beyond the numbers. So the world will say, hey, you got to earn some money. You got to get out there. You got to do something. But if you go beyond the numbers and you look to the way that God looks at it and God's principles, I think it is more about this. It's about calling over compensation. Compensation isn't all that important. It is important, but what's more important is your calling. At the end of the day, the amount of money that you make, the amount of money that you earn, it will not bring fulfillment to your life. What will bring fulfillment to your life is figuring out who you are. Who has God created me uniquely to be? What position am I supposed to live here in the earth? What am I uniquely gifted and called to do? What is God's call for my life? Once you start to establish and figure that and you actually start to walk in it, then that's where you find ultimate fulfillment and joy in this life on the earth. That's why we keep encouraging you to go to Catalyst. 
Like, just sign up and go be a part of Catalyst because especially Catalyst 2, it's about your purpose in life and what God has uniquely called you to do. I want you to know that so you can find this kind of fulfillment. The key to life is not how much stuff you can accumulate. It's how much you can do to fulfill what God has called you to do. And you will find incredible fulfillment there. I think you can say it like this. You don't just need money to live on. You need something to live for. You don't just need money to live on. You need something that you can live for. For me, when I was five years old, standing in the parking lot at my dad's church that he was pastoring, I was waiting for my mom to pick me up from preschool. And in the parking lot, I had this overwhelming moment where I heard the Spirit of God speak to me and say, when you're older, you're going to work with young people. And I was like, what? I don't even, what is it? I don't even, I don't even, like, like three-year-olds? Like, I don't understand and I took that word and I tucked it away in my, in, into my heart and it drove me. And so I spent my middle school years, my high school years, volunteering, serving in student ministry, doing everything that I could to learn. I'd go to youth conferences. I'd be the little kid sitting on the front row as, as youth pastors talk, like, ah, oh, ah, writing stuff down, excited about what he was saying. All the youth pastors were like, who let this kid in here? Like that, that was me. And I have found incredible fulfillment, giving my life away for the past four years uh, to students in student ministry. We heard the same thing happen when God called us to go to Austin and follow. We, Maria and I just heard Ross, say, God said, God, Ross, God, Ross, oh, that's trouble. Um, we, heard, we heard God say, go help your brother Ross. And that's what we did. And we've been doing that for the past eight years and we find fulfillment. Why? Because I'm doing what God has called me to do, what I'm made to do. Two years ago, we heard God say, hey, I want you to take I want you to go down to Kyle, and I want you to serve there. We say, okay, we'll do it. We've been having the greatest two years. Why? Because we're fulfilling the stuff that God has given us to do. It's an amazing space to be, and I want you to find it too. You have a race. You have a race that you're a part of. Listen to Acts 20, 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. You have a race too. It's about your calling. Start to pray about it. Think about it. Step into it, and you'll find great fulfillment. So the world will say then, okay, you got that figured out, fine. You, need, you, need to, you just need to work on your spending. You just spend a little less. You need, to, you need to back it up, bro. You need to back it up. But I think there's a deeper principle here, and it's this, contentment over consumerism. Being content over being a consumer. You guys already know that we live in a culture that just wants more. I want more. I want it all. And when do I want it? Immediately. I see this in my own life. Do you? Like, I, I see it. I, I, we live over on the other side of the freeway, and so we go shop at Walmart a lot because it's the closest place to us. And I don't go to HEB because it's all the way over here, and that would take forever, and then the parking lot's insane, and then it's super scary in there, and I can never get anywhere. So, so I, I'm, I'm going through it with my cart, you know, and, I, and I can't get through. Like, just, there's people everywhere. I'm like, ah, and there's people. And no matter where you go, there's people, and they're just kind of like, You know what I'm saying? And I'm right here. And I'm like, so yesterday, I'm, I'm, running, I'm running errands at the store, and I'm at Walmart, and I'm like, oh, come on, get, you know, I'm like getting mad. I'm, I'm mad. I'm like, Maria's like, would you settle down? If I, it's like 10 seconds, I don't get what I want. 10 seconds, I have to wait for somebody. I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. You're laughing nervously because that's you. I see you the same way. You know what I'm saying? We're ridiculous. We've got this horrible, horrible consumeristic mentality in our culture. We're in trouble. And that consumerism has even crept into the church 
where people just select a church based on their own preferences. I like this, I don't like that, I don't like that, so I'm going to get out of here. Like That happens all over America, this consumer-driven mentality. We've lost the spiritual value of contentment. I'm content with what I have. Listen to Luke 12, 15. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have, for real life and real living are not related to how rich you are. It's not. The truth is, you look at the stats, and the happiest people, they're the people that don't have very much. They're just pumped about life. Usually, the more you have, the more stress you have. Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need, Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What is the secret? Well, it's to discover that in every situation that you find yourself in, you're blessed. Oh, but Brent, we're not doing so good this month. No, 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 no. You're blessed. You got some money in the bank. Actually, all of us in here today, really, probably the vast majority, if not all, when you compare the rest of the world to what you have, you are rich. And if you're frustrated about your your economic status today, okay, but listen, you're still blessed. Jesus has done everything that you need for life and godliness. You're blessed. And so this is what we have to realize. We're blessed. I think you say it like this. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. That's not how it works. Oh, I got everything, so now I'm finally content. You will never be content with stuff. Contentment is the realization of what you already have. I already have so much. I'm so God, if you never do anything else for me, I already have enough. You've already done enough. I am content. I think that's why you should go on a missions trip with us. You just get over overseas, a third world country, and see people that got nothing and how joyful and content they are. It'll change your life. So you get through this, and, and people then will say, all right, good, well, now here's what you need to do. You need to save. Just do a little bit of saving, and saving is good, but rather than just concentrating on saving, go beyond the numbers and see that God wants us to be God-dependent over being independent. Saving is a value, but here's the thing. Most of us look at our bank account on the app, and we check it out and go, oh, got a surplus. Hey, babe, we're doing good this month. Or you look at the app and say, hey, babe, you cannot spend anything else. And depending on how much money we have in the bank or how much money we have in the savings account or the checking account, we feel safe and secure because, oh, I've got this thing. In fact, we even use the word financial security. Oh, I'm just working on being financially secure. Finances can't make you secure. They can go like that. Only God can make you secure. Proverbs 18.11, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. They see their wealth as this great wall. The only problem is, the author says, uh, they imagine it. It's just their imagination. It will actually provide them no real safety or shelter or security. So instead, we decide, I'm going to live a life of trust. I'm going to trust God to take care of me no matter what. It's the same thing. The most generous people in America are the ones who are poor. In fact, the statistics say that the percentage of giving per income, it's highest among the poor. The percentage of giving per income, it's highest among those who are poor. Why? Because they already figured it out. Their money can't do anything for them. Their money can't change anything. Their money can't save them. That's why the author of Proverbs 30 wrote, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? I got all I need. Who's the Lord? I don't care. I don't want to be in that space. I just want to say, God, give me what I need. Give me what I need today, just today, so I can depend on you, so I can trust you, so I can continue living the life that you want me to live. 
Our declaration needs to become, I will not trust in riches, but in the one who richly provides. That's what we're after, to live a legacy life. So you get to, then you come to investing. Investing, it's good. Your money works for you. But instead of worrying so much about that, what if we just said, I'm going to worry more about stewardship over ownership? Stewardship over ownership. As a follower of Jesus, you're not investing to just make what you have grow. You are investing what belongs to God, and you do it with God's intent in mind. What does he want to do? That's what a steward does. A steward manages something that belongs to somebody else, and he does it for their good and for their benefit. That's why I think the best financial advice I could probably give to you is, God owns everything, I'm just the manager. That's it. God owns everything, I'm just his manager. The church operates like this. My family and I operate like this. Not perfectly, but we're doing our best. We're a work in progress. And I want you to operate the same way. It's not just the 10% and the tithe that I give to God when I show up at church. It's not just the offerings that I might give. No, it's actually, it's my whole bank account. Actually, it belongs to you. Everything that I have has become you. It's your breath in my lungs. So I'm going to pour out my whole life to you because the only reason I'm standing here is because of you. So my watch and my shirt and my car and my house, it's all yours. And I'm willing at any moment to leverage them for the kingdom of God. I'll hold my stuff openly, hold my stuff with open hands, and you can do whatever you want with it. Hey, somebody need a watch? Here, you can have this watch. It's a Casio, so it's only worth about 12 bucks, but, but you can have it. Like, like, what if we just decided, I'm going to live that way? Just try it. Go out and try it today. Just try it. For the rest of the day, just try to think, none of this stuff actually belongs to me, and I'll just give it away to leverage the kingdom of God any moment I get a chance. Matthew 6, 19, here it is. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, that's a good word, vermin, destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. This life is short, everybody. Let's just give our lives away and spend our lives sending stuff on ahead of us. Do things, give it away, be a blessing to other people. All that work at Camino Real Elementary for those five hours on Friday night, just sending stuff away, sending it on before us to be in heaven when we show up and we get there. When you discover that, man, it changes and transforms your life. The last area would be giving. Financial planners will say, if you can, if you get through all the other stuff, if you work all the other numbers, now maybe you can give a little bit. But I think we can go further than that, to not just say, hey, let's give a little bit, but to consider generosity over being miserly. Everybody say miserly. Well, you said it very miserly, actually. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why don't you guys come on up? We talked about this last week, but that word blessed in the Greek, it's makarios, and it means giddy. It means happy. It is more happy. I get giddy when I give stuff away. I get so excited. In the South, we like to say, I'm fired up. It's awesome. I'm fired up. Actually, listen to any pastor from the South, and you'll hear it. I'm fired up. You fired up? Let's get fired up. I'm fired up. It's awesome. It's awesome. That's what this word, that's what the Greek means. <laughs> it means I am excited when I give something away. Paul told Timothy to tell people in the churches in Ephesus and Crete that they should live this way. 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. It's so uncertain. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He's good. Command them, do good. Be rich in good deeds. And be generous 
and willing to share. Not just with your money. This is not about money. Generous and willing to share with your life. One Chapel Kyle, now's the time to do good, to be a blessing, to take care of somebody else. Like to go out for lunch today, real quick, because you got to get to Faultober. But go out to lunch today and just leave that server who's had a really rough weekend a big fat tip. Some people call it a honking tip. Like just a big honking life changing tip. Like, whoa, hey, hey, did you guys mess up? Nope, we didn't mess up. We just think you're great. Have a great day. Like, just be generous with your life. That 20 or 30 people, they showed up on Friday night at Camino Real, and they were just generous with their life. They could have done lots of stuff. The World Series was on that night, and it was crazy. They could have stayed home. They went and served some people. They were generous with their time. Try it. Just try it this week. Go and sit in the drive through line, some fast food place. Pay for the person behind you, and then give the person the card. It's in your the Acts of Kindness card. Say, hey, dude, will you please give it to them? You probably took some years off their life because you're paying for their fast food, so we should talk about that. But have them throw on a salad or something. I don't know. It's, no, don't, that's the wrong message. Don't do that. Or better yet, go out today, go to H-E-B or Walmart, whatever you prefer, and go buy a bunch of canned goods and take it up to Falltober. Just do, like, just, go, just do it. I, just be generous. Not so we can win Falltober. No, no, there's going to be a bunch of families, a bunch of families over the holiday season that aren't going to have food in Hayes County, and you can do something about that. You could give some stuff away, and so families over the course of the holiday season, they're sitting down together, and they're eating a feast that you provided. You can do that. It's not hard. Sacrifice a coffee. Sacrifice a lunch. Sacrifice and just give it away. This is the kind of life that we have the opportunity to live. And when you do that, 1 Timothy 6, 19, continuing, he says, In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Taking hold of the life that's real life. Not the life where I'm trying to protect my stuff. Not the life where I'm trying to protect myself and my time. But the life that is truly life where Jesus filling me, I give myself away. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads. Some of you might just need to make a decision today. Through the course of the discussion here, you're thinking, I may have closed myself off a little bit from people, from the world, around me, I think I need an opening back up. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Some of you might be thinking, I don't, I don't even know exactly how to do this. I don't, I don't know Jesus. I've never given my life over to Jesus. I don't know about this Christian thing, but man, he sounds pretty amazing. I think I might like to do this. Maybe you have been a Christian for a long time, but you've kind of walked away. Today's the day for you to say, I'm going to come back in and I, I want to live this life. The life I'm living here, it's not working out the way that I thought it would. I think I need to try a different life. I want to find the life that is truly life. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, came to earth. He died on a cross. He shed his own blood to pay the price for your sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what we all have earned. And Jesus came and said, I'm going to pay that for you. 
And if you'll just believe in that and you'll receive that gift and surrender your life to him, you can have it all. So with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you want us to pray for you, I won't bring you up. I won't send you to another room. I won't embarrass you at all. I just want you to make a decision between you and God. You want me to pray with you so that you can come back to Christ, receive Christ, or maybe just say, man, I just got to open up my life and give myself away more because I've been shut down. Would you just be real courageous and brave and just shoot your hand up and put it down? Do it right now. Thank you. Who else? Do it. Just throw it up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, lots of hands. Who else? Who's going to join us? Awesome. Good for you. Who else? Yeah, cool. Who else? Just throw it up. Throw it down. That's me. Brent, pray for me. I'm ready. Pray for me. Last chance. Throw it up. Put it down. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would do a work in every hungry heart today. As they're making the decision to follow, God, would you guide, lead, and direct and fill them with everything that they need. Maybe that's you and you're ready to pray that prayer. I just want you to pray something similar to this with me. Very simply, you might just say, Jesus, forgive me. I give my life to you. The best I know how, I'm gonna give everything that I have away to you. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. I believe you paid for my sin, and I receive that payment today. And I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. Help me to live the life you want me to. Thank you for rescuing me in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray that you would do a dynamic work in them and give them everything they need to be able to do it. And, Lord, for all of us who today are saying, I've been closed off. I've been closed off. I've shut down. I've lived miserly. I've lived my life for me. Today, I pray that you would fill us up with your spirit and let generosity begin to pour out of us. Help us not to cling so tightly to stuff or things or positions or titles, but help us to give it all away, surrendering everything that we have to be a blessing to people around us, to take hold of the life that is truly life. Thank you for this in Jesus' name.